May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father and from his Son, his only Son, his risen Son, Jesus the Christ. Sometimes things are or seem to be too good to be true. The wonderful news that cancer is in remission after five years of treatments. The amazing news that though the car is totaled, no one was injured. The unexpected news that a wife who could not conceive is now pregnant. The surprising news that an uncle has left you a considerable inheritance. Our Lord's resurrection is wonderful and amazing. It is unexpected and surprising, but it is not too good to be true. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts this day as we ponder the word of God before us on the second Sunday of Easter, especially the gospel reading. But the title theme is from Peter's epistle, that not seeing we are still loving and believing and rejoicing followers of Christ. People God dearly loves. This double story from John 20 is a twin story, not just about a twin, but two stories about the disciple Thomas. And this is always the gospel for the second Sunday of Easter. Why? Because it really happened. That's one reason. Why? Because it reveals the risen Christ standing, speaking, showing his resuscitated body. That's another reason. Why? Because the church in its wisdom has decided that we need to hear these two nighttime post-resurrection appearances, that they are not just for the disciples and about the disciples then, but they are for our Lord's disciples now. Many of you know these two stories. You may know them quite well. The tomb is open and empty early on the first day of the week when the women go to finish anointing Jesus' body just as the sun is rising. Because Christ is risen, alleluia. He is risen indeed, alleluia. But the women don't see Jesus, not yet. But soon after, Jesus is seen by Mary Magdalene, also that morning by the other Mary and Salome and Joanna and at least one other woman. Sometime else on Easter morning, Simon Peter sees the risen Christ. That afternoon, Jesus walks and talks with two disciples, this is next Sunday's gospel reading, on the road out to Emmaus. Then come these two upper room visits, one on Easter night, the second the following Sunday. Now I'd like to play a little what if game with you this morning. What if this had happened? There's a a timid knock on the door just before midnight on Easter. Who is it? One of those inside the locked room whispers, it's me, it's Thomas, please let me in. Carefully, the wooden bar is lifted and the key is turned and Thomas quickly steps inside. The other 10 disciples are weary, but they are still giddy with excitement. And they say to him, Twin Tommy, you should have been here. It's true. It was great. Jesus, he was, is alive. He was here, right here. We didn't believe it at first, 
We were so stunned to see him standing in the middle of the room. He spoke to us. He said just a few words, but they were powerful words. Peace be with you. After that, Jesus showed us his wounds. We saw the injuries which paid for our sins. We saw the price it cost him to win our forgiveness. And we touched them. We saw and touched where the nails pierced his wrists and his feet and where the soldier's spear gashed into his side. Then we knew it was Jesus. Then we knew he was really alive. Wow, exclaims Thomas. Thank you for sharing this wonderfully amazing and unexpectedly surprising good news. I wish I could have been here to see and listen and touch the crucified and resurrected Jesus. Dear brothers, I hope that I will get to see him alive again, just as the 10 of you already did. But that's not what happened. That's not what Thomas said. Instead, he said to his fellow disciples, unless I see in Jesus' hands the mark of the nails, unless I place my finger into the mark of the nails, and, un and unless I place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Maybe there were some attempts to persuade, to convince the doubter. Maybe even some arguing. Maybe Thomas adamantly repeated his demand. After a long week, Jesus shows up again the same night, the same room, the same locked door, the same sudden appearance, the same greeting, peace be with you. Then Jesus turns to Thomas and says, you may have what you said you need. Go ahead, put your finger where the iron nails broke through my wrists. Put your hand out and reach into the gash in my side. If you need this, you may do this. Then do not continue disbelieving, but believe that I am alive again. Now, I've said this before. I said it, I'm pretty sure, in my sermon last second Sunday of Easter. I'm convinced that Thomas did not do what our Lord invited him to do. Though Thomas said he had to and that he would not believe unless and until he saw and touched what the other disciples saw and touched. When Jesus stood before him and spoke to him, he did not have to. He simply and strongly said to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Now I'm going to take you back into the Gospels just for a moment. Other times that Jesus is named and identified. Jesus asks the disciples at Caesarea Philippi, who do people say that I am? And what about you? What do you, who do you say that I am? To which Simon Peter replies, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then, more titles, more names. A demon addresses Jesus as the Holy One of God. 
A blind man cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Show me your care. Palm-waving crowds shout, Hosanna, save us now. Then, when Jesus is on trial, the chief priests say, He claims to be the promised Messiah and a new king. When Jesus is crucified, people mock him. If you are the Christ, the Son of God, come down from there. But the repentant criminal, crucified next to Jesus, proclaims him to be innocent of any crime. And when Jesus draws his last breath, the Roman centurion exclaims, truly, this was the Son of God. Thomas' confession is different and it is new. The Shema, it's from Deuteronomy chapter 6. The Shema is the creed given to Moses and spoken by the covenant people of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Thomas speaks the Shema in a new way because his confession is made new. Jesus is Lord. He is Yahweh. He is the true and the only Lord. His name is above every name. It is a name that disciples will be thrown into prison for. It will be executed for. And Jesus is God, eternal, holy, apart and yet near, creator and redeemer. I could stop here and I could point to Thomas and tell you to be like him. But I'm going to continue with this question. Why do we need this scripture? These two stories, why do we need them now? Why do we need them today? Because we are hiding. We are hiding just as Adam and Eve hid in the garden. We are hiding with our shame. We are hiding with our guilt because we are afraid of being judged. Maybe judged for our unfaithfulness, maybe judged by those who oppose Jesus for our faithfulness to him. Why do we need this scripture? Because we are scared. We are scared because of what we don't know. Where is Jesus now? Where is he when our lives are messed up and broken and confused? Will he still come to me? And what will he say if he does? We need the scripture because we wonder. We even doubt. We want to see the evidence. We want to touch the wounds of Jesus. We did not stand beneath the cross on Good Friday. We did not follow Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus who carried Jesus' body to the grave. We did not go to the tomb on Easter morning and see that the stone had been rolled away and angels made their proclamation. We haven't seen Jesus walking the streets of San Antonio. Why do we need this scripture? Because we are not eyewitnesses, but we are ear witnesses. We hear the salvation story from God's inspired word. What Jesus said to Thomas, he still says to us, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. We need the scripture 
because of what Peter writes to the church in today's epistle. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We need this scripture because these things are written so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ and have the life that the crucified and risen Savior gives now and forever. We need this scripture because we need Christ's peace. We need that sure and strong word of our Savior who gives the peace that, only, that the world cannot give. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.